change you want to make, anything you want to start is going to take the ability to pitch your ideas, get others interested in what you're trying to do. And today we're going to really talk about how do you do that from a really interesting perspective with John Mertz, who heads up Santa Fe Innovates and what he has learned in helping entrepreneurs try to really create those businesses in their community and how to pitch your ideas. Take a listen. I think you'll really enjoy Welcome, everybody. We're going to talk about a topic that none of us can escape, how to pitch your ideas. And it's something that we all need, especially in times of change. These are valuable skills, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a consultant, you're a leader in organization, you're just starting your career. We all have to know how to do that, that part of influencing and selling your ideas. And I want to introduce just the perfect guest to talk about this with us. It's John Mertz. Now, John, I'm going to give you give a little bit of an overview, and then you can tell me what I've missed here. John's the founder of Santa Fe Innovates, a social entrepreneur accelerator program and community. Fascinating. We'll hear a little bit more about that. He's also an interdisciplinary leadership doctoral candidate at Creighton University with research focused on social enterprise leadership and moral courage. He's also been in leadership roles in marketing and business for organizations you would recognize like Corporate Health, Quick Arrow, Deloitte, IBM, along with, with serving in D.C. and various political appointments. What have I missed, John? <laughs> I think that covers it fairly well, Patty. <laughs> that <laughs> That's covers it. Well, the thing that reason I, I thought of you, Chris, John and I, I think we met around several years ago when my book first came out and we would have coffee and lunch and you know, I think one of the things that, that anybody listening to your bio would ask, how did someone who was a leader, a business executive end up in Santa Fe creating this startup, if you will, of the Santa Fe Innovates? How, how did that even happen? How did you get there? Yeah, so I think the, the place to begin, uh, uh, I guess, when we moved to Santa Fe almost five years ago now, immediately got involved in economic development um, kind of projects or initiatives here in the city. Having been involved in large and in, in startup companies, um, I wanted to try to help out as best I could here in, in my new city of, of Santa Fe. So I started uh, volunteering through the, the Santa Fe Business Incubator and became involved in the, on the board of, that, of, of the Santa Fe Business Incubator as well. But also got involved in with the city economic development team and just looking at how we could kind of put a spark to the startup mm-hmm. community here in Santa Fe. And so after working on other various initiatives and so on, just decided, well, if I'm going to try something, <laughs> I might as well <laughs> put even more effort behind it and start my own company uh, called Santa Fe Innovates and see if we can support new entrepreneurs here in, in our communities uh, but also with the social entrepreneurship uh, kind of wrapper around it. I think a lot of the culture and the heritage and the history of New Mexico in general, I think, fits well with some of the principles of social entrepreneurship. And so I thought it was a good way to kind of get hopefully more buy-in around supporting entrepreneurs that do have a mix of profit and purpose. And it fits well, like I said, with kind of our really sense of community that's been embedded in New Mexico for literally years. Yes, for sure. Well, and I think it's funny because as you and I have talked over the years, and I can remember some of our coffees where, you know, you were involved in conscious capitalism. It was this like, feels like this has been a passion that's been with you for a very long time. And now you're in a position to really act upon it and bring what all you've learned 
from the business community into this setting. And we love Santa Fe, so we probably need to arrange a <laughs> range of visit at some point. So, but I do want to clarify one of the reasons I really liked the idea of talking to you about how to pitch your idea is because you're not in sales, you're not doing it for, um, you know, for other reasons, it's, it's purely, your focus is really on, you know, supporting the community and in the cause. So I think that's an interesting twist, but yeah, you still are out there pitching ideas, right? That's what you're trying to help people do and doing some of it yourself. So I want to dive into this topic because I will say pitching your ideas and getting buy-in and in, having influence it's one of the hardest things, I think, for people to, to actually develop that skill. And so I'm wondering, how did you learn to do this? Did, you, did it come naturally for you? Did you watch other people? How did you learn this skill? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> because I think in many ways, just like I'm sure many of your listeners and others have experiences with that, it's really kind of develops through our own experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned briefly in, in my bio, I mean, I... My, the first eight years of my career, I served in Washington, D.C., working for a senator from my home state and then served in uh, two administrations. And, you know, you can say what you want about government and politics. And back in the mid 80s, it was a lot different than it is today, too. But especially, you know, as a 20 something being on the senator's staff, we were very focused on what the problems are that our constituents were having and how we could solve those. And so I think, you know, you you kind of be, you know, become, whether it was in my early days in DC or even in my 20 plus years in working in tech companies, there was always problems to be solved and you had to get good at solving problems. And so to begin to do that, you have to kind of see some of the different connections that underlie the problem, but also hopefully begin to form that solution. So long answer maybe to to the question, but but it's really is you know like anybody, it's you know it's your experiences, what you learn from them, what you observe in the different environments that you're in, whether you know it's a, a startup, a government agency, or a large corporation. You can observe a lot of different ways people approach things and begin to see what works and what doesn't. Is it that different? If you think because you have had a pretty diverse set of experience, you've been in a lot of different types of settings. Is pitching your idea that different in those settings, or do you see a lot of common themes? Common themes, yeah. It's interesting because when when I left government and went back to get my MBA and, and started interviewing with uh, you know for profit companies, they were, weren't sure what to do with me because I came from the <laughs> government, right? Right, right. <laughs> and you know the reality is, you know, early in my kind of tech career. You know, I didn't talk about it that much, I guess, but I, there was definitely a lot of similarities in the process orientation or how you approach sol- solving problems or how you build coalitions to get solutions implemented. We're all the same. In fact, you learn probably more from government, um, you know, from those types of things. And actually, it wasn't, it was kind of funny because when I worked for BMC, my then soon to be boss is like, that's why I hired you was because you've government experience. Because if you could figure out how to get something done in through the legislative or executive processes, then you could figure out how to do something in a large company. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. And being persistent and staying with it. So, but one thing I hear you connecting when you talk about in pitching your ideas, you always talk about solving a problem. Both answers you gave me, you always talked about the problem to solve. 
how do you see the pitching your idea connected to solving the problem? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it does begin with the problem. I think uh, when you're to ensure that you won't be successful, then just focus on the solution and not the problem. Well, I was going to say too, also you often, if you're focused on the solution, not the problem, also sometimes don't we all show up with what we want to talk about, what we think, what we bring versus maybe what the actual problem really is, you know? Oh, yes, indeed. And so, you know, everyone wants to get to a solution, which is important, but you really need to get underneath the problem and really begin to understand what it is you're really trying to solve. I mean, Clayton Christensen, you know, talked about this many years ago about the job to be done and really trying to understand what somebody's hiring you to do, which is, you know, how you're solving the problem, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for many entrepreneurs or even people in, in larger corporate environments, you know, they think they understand the problem, but until they really kind of go deeper by talking to early adopters or potential uh, customers of that solution to really understand what the real problem is, the solution that they think they're developing is likely going to change, which is a good thing because when you're in the problem solving uh, mode, you're testing to see what it is, you're iterating, and you're really validating or beginning to build a case for a valid solution then that can solve that problem. Yeah, I think there's so much in there and what you just said, because one of the things in all of us at People Results, we all, you know, we talk a lot about change and that's the purpose of this, of this podcast as well. And, you know, an important part of that is always, you know, who's your stakeholder? Who is, who is it that cares about this and seeing the problem from their perspective, not from your own? And so as you talk about solving the problem, how much do you think about the who? Who am I? solving this problem for what is it that we're trying to do? Yeah, that's absolutely essential. When we look at, when we work with some entrepreneurs, you know, they'll come in with uh, kind of the customers and it'll be very broad segments or other kinds of entities. And the reality is you need to get down to an actual individual. So it may be that entity, but who in that entity is actually having that problem? And in an entrepreneurial setting, it's, you know, who's going to actually you know, write the check, if you will, to buy your product. So if you're not talking to those individuals then to really understand really what the pain points are and what the real problem is that they're having, you're not going to get traction to within with the solution then that you're developing. And so I think that's one of the, you know, whether it's, again, it's a, a small venture or a big corporation, really zeroing in on who the the is experiencing that problem um, and talking to them and getting greater insights uh, from those individuals is going to be essential to, to developing the right solution. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to understand not just your understanding of the problem, but the, that how they see the problem to make sure you fully understand it. You know, it's funny because you look at and I would encourage anyone to go to Santa Fe Innovates and see all the great stuff that they're doing there. And, but you have, you call out on, the, the website that part of their program is a key part of the program of anyone who comes through that is how to pitch your idea. How did you end up with that being one of the fundamental skills or capabilities that, you know, new entrepreneurs need to have? 
Yeah. So, you know, our program, we really focus on how to bring an idea forward, right? Okay. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's making sure you have the right idea and that it, that there's a business model that, that can support it. Mm-hmm. And so when you get to that point that you've iterated and validated, then you got to be able to present that, that idea. And so there's, whether it's in the pitch or even the work, obviously leading up to that. To the pitch. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about building confidence, right? You know, you think of uh, or maybe too often you think of entrepreneurs as as heroes, right? Sure. <laughs> and to a certain degree they are, but you know the reality is early in the process they need to gain confidence in their capabilities as well as in again understanding the problem as well as uh, you know, the ultimate solution that they want to take to market. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you know part of the pitch process is to build that confidence by diving into uh, greater detail of what's happening in the market, the competitive competitiveness, what customers really want, all those types of things. But then, you know, having then the courage then to get in front of an audience and uh, describe that idea within a very short period of time. I mean, we have, you know, last quarter, we had 15 entrepreneurs. This one, we have 17. You know, we can't take a half a day and do pitches. So it's got to be zeroed down into, you know, probably no more than three minutes uh, within, you know, some questions afterwards. So getting that clarity then is going to be even more important in, in pitching your idea is really focusing on what is going to be the most uh, important elements to pitch and that's going to resonate with that audience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mentioned two important things, confidence and courage. So let's talk about even you think about some of the people that come through your program. Where I know you coach and advise others as well. Gosh, I, I want to get better at this, but how... How do I get more confidence? Courage, thats that seems like a pretty internally driven thing. How, how do I get there? How do you get people started who feel like maybe they, they might have an idea, but they don't, they don't have those two, two ingredients yet? Yeah, I think we do it in two ways. Kind of the first way is just really to get clarity around the customer problem alignment. So again, like we were talking about earlier, making sure that you have individuals identified in the customer segments and that, that those individuals align to the problem that you think you want to solve. So that's number one. Number two, the confidence, and this takes a lot of courage, is to then go out and find those early adopters or who you think the early adopters are and have a conversation with them about really what the problem is and what the how severe or extreme the pain is. And does, you know, get some ideas from them of how to solve it and making and hoping that that kind of aligns to how you think it will. But, the, you know, coming out of that, you'll have more confidence, right? Because you'll learn more about your right. problem you're solving, the potential solution. But it takes a lot of courage to go out there. I mean, I, I did this in Dallas. I went through a program where I was taking an idea through it. And in downtown Dallas, we stood outside a Starbucks and just asked people if that could take a few minutes to talk to us. <laughs> we could talk to them about a, uh, an idea we had. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How did that go? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> You know, it went reasonably well. I mean, most people, and this is the, the wonderful thing about uh, being in that stage, is that most people will be willing to talk to you about an idea because you're not selling anything at this exactly. point. You're just mm-hmm. trying to get feedback. And right. so it's an ideal time to build that confidence by doing that. You'll get people that say no, but and that's okay. You're going to need to get used to that anyway when you're in a sales cycle. <laughs> so, yes. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that is definitely gets you out of your comfort zone, which is a good thing. Uh, but you learn so much. And most people, like I said, are 
more willing to talk to you because they, they want to help you, right? Most people want to help a, a new entrepreneur and you know give it feedback or information that will be helpful to them as they're trying to solve a, a problem. So there's no better time to get feedback and information when you're just kind of exploring an idea. And I think, you know, it's the same in a larger company. I mean, when I worked at, you know, IBM or Deloitte or some of the larger companies, when you're just exploring, you know, the trends or kind of the foundational items behind um, a, a problem, you know, people are willing to talk to you when you're, you know, when you're trying to collect information. And so it's really important for any problem solver to use that time to their benefit and dive in and, and, you know, kind of put the comfort level aside and tap into your courage and, and the ultimate outcome will be, you'll be much more confident when you do pitch your idea. Right. And you'll also, that's how you learn, which builds confidence, right? I know more about this topic now. The other thing I think you touched on is, you know, you have to get used to or comfortable to know. I think that's a huge issue because if your ego is bruised too easily, then it causes you to lose confidence, take a step back versus you have to realize if you're trying to pitch ideas, you're trying to you know, bring a new change, do something differently, you are going to get resistance. You're going to get no's. You're going to be ignored. It's okay. And so it was like, you know, you have to expect that as a part of kind of pitching ideas and having the courage to get yourself out there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, kind of goes back to the first part of our conversation here. It's that's where you begin to learn that from those experiences, you're going to gain strength in solving future problems or, Mm -hmm. and it's also, you know, to a certain degree relates to where you spend your time. (laughs) So, you know, by, you know, if you find out information that uh, says that your idea or your solution isn't the right one, you know, that's a win too, because mm-hmm. the most precious resource you have is your time. So right. why not spend it in the place where mm-hmm. you're going to have the biggest impact? And right. so if that's, if that's not the right problem to solve, then spend your time on the one that is. And, you know, it'll help you in your career or it'll help you in mm-hmm. your new venture. Yes. And I think you mentioned a minute ago, like what happens before you're pitching your idea? How do you know if you have a good idea? You know, you, to me, it's like, it's not a, I, anybody listening, I would encourage you not to think about this as a sales activity. This is a day in the life. If you are someone who, who wants to change, bring new ideas, who, if you're solving problems, you're not going to always be doing it the way you've always been doing it. So pitching your idea is, seems like if you are someone who is bringing the best contribution, you're always this is going to be just a part of your normal way of working, whether you're an entrepreneur or a consultant. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You don't have to have that hat to be pitching your idea. So one of the things I'm, I'm curious about, you know, I know, I think, John, you mentioned that some of the people you work with, some of the people who come through Santa Fe Innovates, they're very new entrepreneurs, or they may be early in their career, too. What do you see as the, what gets in their way the most? What is the biggest obstacle or issue that they face. Yeah, I think it's really getting kind of wrapped up in their own uh, their idea of the of their solution, <laughs> and you know it's really is surprising how that can really get you off track. And so I think the biggest the entrepreneurs that come in that are most open minded, or as you know, has been written about many times now with about growth mindsets, being able yeah. to learn. And you mentioned that uh, earlier mm-hmm. too. 
if they approach it as, hey, I've got this idea and I think it solves this problem, but I'm ready and eager to learn if that is the right one, they're going to go a lot more, a lot faster, a lot uh, in a shorter period of time than the ones that are kind of come in with more of a fixed mindset is that I have the solution. I have, I understand it more better than anyone. And, and that's what I'm going to do. So it really, you know, there is so much to be said for being open-minded, uh, growth oriented, as well as being adaptive. Being an adaptive leader is definitely a skill <laughs> that you need. Uh, you, you know, you got to be willing to, to change based on the new information uh, gained or the new experiences that you gain. And then, you know, as well as involving the right people at the right time as you kind of move forward in, in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think, too, what you're also saying is that fixed mindset, if you're if you're if that's something that that you have, you're likely more likely to say, here, I have this great idea. I've already figured it out. Don't you like it? Instead of here are my right. thoughts, what are yours? And then you like that growth mindset of just letting it kind of evolve as you go. You know, I'm also curious about. Anybody in business and or any organization, you've heard about influencing skills. That is probably on every every supervisory manager leadership program. They're, they're going to have the class on influencing skills. How much does that overlap with pitching your idea? Do you see those as separate and distinct? Or if you have influencing skills, does that mean you can also pitch your idea? Just talk about that if you would. Yeah, I probably, or you can tell me if I have a different perspective on influencing or not. <laughs> yeah. uh, my perspective is influence is pre-work. So it's the, the time you take to think through uh, the situation or the problem. It's the conversation time that you have with the individuals that may be experiencing that problem. And then it's uh, also the time to begin to kind of build coalitions. So if things start to gel. It's about building those relationships that are going to help you kind of move things forward uh, from from there. So to me, you know, yes, you got to have good influencing skills, but it really relates to doing the pre-work. I mean, it's no different. I, you know, you mentioned when we first met, I mean, with your book launch and, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like all of a sudden you showed up on the scene and said, hey, I have a book, right? You did a ton of pre-work, not only the right. research, the, but the experiences, the relationships you built, all those types of things made the book launch, um, you know, very successful. And it's so no different than in a you know, product idea or or new service or whatever the case may be that you've got to do the pre-work. And, that, and by doing the pre-work, you will build influence by by doing that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So it just sounds like there is overlap. It's just different. It's not the same. It's not exactly the same, but it's definitely an overlap. And I would think if somebody has influencing skills, they can use some of those of what they've learned in terms of how to pitch, you know, their ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, the influence kind of relates back to confidence, right? So if you do the work, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're going to have more confidence in Mm -hmm. your approach and that's going to be infectious uh, for the customers or other Mm -hmm. stakeholders that you need to be Mm -hmm. involved in, in, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, moving the idea forward into reality. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in listening to you talk that building that confidence it isn't puffing yourself up as much as it is being prepared, doing your homework, knowing what you need to learn more about, asking for input. It's that will get you the confidence, not to put words in your mouth, that will get you the confidence you need, not, you know, talking to yourself in the mirror. 
Am I? Right. <laughs> I don't know. If that's the way you see it, but that's what I'm interpreting from yeah, your yeah. explanation. Yeah. yeah, being confident is is based in humility. You know, because you are willing to learn, and by uh, going through the process and putting yourself out there and collecting the information and and thinking through things has to be dealt with humility, and that's going to build the confidence. Otherwise, obviously, the other side of that is cockiness, and and um, that's not going to you know deliver long-lasting success. Okay, I'm kind of intrigued that confidence is, um, you know, kind of based in humility. Talk just a little bit more about that because I think anyone listening might think, what, Talk, what a minute, wait a second. Talk about that a little <laughs> bit more because that's a really important point, what you just said, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up on a family farm and, you know, just uh, wonderful people around the community and so on. But, you know, so there was a lot of confident farmers, but they were the salt of the earth, right? They were very, they understood what it took to grow a good crop. They knew what it took to take care of the land. They knew what it took to develop good community relationships. It's the same in, in business. You kind of know when you are in a room full of people, you know, the ones that kind of have that quiet confidence. They may not, probably aren't the loudest person in the room. Uh, but they're probably the most thoughtful and probably, you know, a little more successful in, in their approach to solving problems or just um, being able to take initiatives forward and being recognized as somebody that can get things done. And so that quiet confidence to me kind of goes to that confidence with humility is that you know what you know and you know what you don't know and you're willing to learn to, to fill the gaps and by doing that, you'll gain more confidence and you'll probably get bigger projects. <laughs> you'll probably get more responsibilities because of that, uh, that quiet confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also, another thing I'm thinking about as you're talking about is that quiet confidence also comes internally with, you know, authenticity is obviously overused a lot, but kind of just being who you are. And I, I think about my own personal uh, situation of, you know, when I first started my business, I had all these people telling me, well, this is how you sell and you need to do this and you need. And so I had some of those thoughts in my head and early on, and I, I felt so uncomfortable. And once I let loose of that and it was sort of like, okay, I need to be in the mindset. I want to try to help the client. I want to try to help solve a problem. If I can work with them commercially, great. If not, we've got a great relationship. That's fine too. And it was like, once that was a huge unlock for me, and realizing I need to kind of be who I was and kind of like show up with what my purpose was and the rest would fall into place or it wouldn't. And I don't know, that's just what I was thinking about as you were talking about that confidence, you got to kind of get at it your own way, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other side of that, you know, we've seen you focusing a lot of C words, <laughs> but <laughs> credibility is the other side of that, right? Because of, you know, like the example you just gave or, Again, going back to whether you want to call it confidence with humility or, or quiet confidence, it is being about being authentic. And when you can to get other people to kind of follow you or to get them involved in the project or, and kind of build that coalition, they will want to work with you because they you know they know that you have the credibility now as well. And I think that's what you know brings authenticity authenticity to life uh, in yeah. a lot of respect, because if you have authenticity without credibility, then it's probably not authenticity, right? So you've got to have um, kind of that um, mm -hmm. know-how as well as um, just those, you know, really 
foundational listening skills and and uh, and so that uh, they know that you're you're observing you're listening you're gaining new knowledge from uh, the people that you're having conversations with yeah yeah you know i also i want to ask you about something related to that that you mentioned when we talked last that stuck with me and you said you've got to ask yourself is the idea worth the cost and talk about what you meant by that and what how somebody might think about that yeah i think there's there's two ways to think about it one is the you know maybe the more obvious way which is the oper- operational sense right so when you start so say you get through kind of the phase like, all right, I understand the problem. I've kind of refined it. I've, uh, the solution seems to make, make sense. But then when you start to put together, well, how big is the market? And if I can get, you know, 5%, you know, what what does that look like? And if it costs me X to, to make it, you know, does that whole model hold together or not? And, you know, we've found that, you know, as we get in working with uh, entrepreneurs that, you know, sometimes it begins to kind of fall apart. Other times it holds together, which is great. So that's that's one part of the cost, and and I guess related to that is one of the you know best resources you have is your own time. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or working in a large company, and so you want to make sure that you're spending your time in the right places. So if this is not the right idea or the right solution, then spend your time on the one that is. So there's that whole kind of cost to to it. I think there's a second one that, you know, which is a good thing, getting a lot more attention here through the pandemic, which is the cost to yourself, right? It's your well-being. So how much time are you willing to spend on it? Or knowing that um, what what's ahead, I guess, are you willing to bear that cost? Not that you have to work, you know, 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week, but, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be tense times to getting traction on on a solution or an idea and so you know there is the personal cost that people have to think through and also just you know in thinking through it thinking about how they're going to maintain that balance right are they going to you know take make sure they take every weekend off so they can refresh or you know how are they going to approach uh, their work life in a in a in a way that's going to preserve their their well-being and keep them fresh in their perspective and in their work well, there's so much in that. And we, we had a recent podcast on setting boundaries and relates a lot to this. But I do think, you know, when you talk about, I know sometimes I'll have new entrepreneurs that will, or people have ideas on starting their own business. And I do think that is the idea worth the cost. You know, you have to ask yourself that on a personal front, whether it's time, whether it's financial uncertainty, whether it is, you know, you've never really been able to pitch your ideas, but you think you can now. Are you willing to do all that? So I think there's that person. I, I think you're really onto something on, you know, on personal cost of because part of that is being eyes wide open, knowing what you, your idea, you get it, you understand it all, right? It's a, you've considered it from all perspectives, not just the the problem to solve from someone else's perspective. The other thing I want to ask you about related to that is, you know, when you think about pitching your ideas. And I was emailing you the first mental image that came into my mind was something like Shark Tank, where people go on, right? They go on with their little product and they have a little shtick that they do and all. But I, if you watch Shark Tank, not that that's what we're talking about here, but you know, it, it does matter sometimes the, the persona of the person. Are they able to convey what their idea is quickly? 
they're your pitching ideas. And so I'm curious for you, like how much of that is about your style, presence, all those things. When you are working with new entrepreneurs, is that part of it? Do they have to learn to be, to have more presence, to be able to bring that confidence that you talk about in and be able for others to see it? How do you coach others on that? Is that an issue? Yeah, you know, presence definitely matters. And especially, I mean, we've been virtual over the last year and a half in our approach and even the pitches are virtual. And so when you're, you know, looking into a Zoom camera, (laughs) you know, it's different than being there in person. So having that presence Mm -hmm. and making sure that you are kind of, you know, not slouched back or, you know, just being Mm -hmm. forthright in how you're presenting yourself and presenting your ideas definitely matters. I think the other thing that really matters is clarity. You definitely don't have to be flashy. You don't have to, you know, you know, wear bright shirts or, you know, whatever the flashiness <laughs> the item is. is, you know, like yeah. a Shark Tank where they show up in costumes and that kind of yeah, thing in some cases. Don't do costumes. If <laughs> yeah. you're listening, don't do costumes. Bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the ones that are successful in Shark Tank or in our program, mm. I think they have a clarity of what the problem is that they're solving and how they solve it. And when they're asked questions about, you know, whether it's a reasonable business or not, or what they or where they're at in their business, they offer clear answers. And so, you know, to me, clarity is vital. And that's really what's going to shine through. Again, I think you can have that quiet confidence. <clears throat> if you have and combined with clarity, you're likely will rise to the top of uh, whatever pitch that you're doing. I think that clarity piece is so important because also it, there's an element of simplicity. Also, you're considering who are you talking to? How can I explain it in a way that they all understand it? And we all, I know I'm, I'm bad about sometimes if you know a ton about a topic, you want to tell everybody, let me tell you everything I know. <laughs> right. I, I know all this stuff, right? I, I can tell you everything. But really what you're talking about here is clarity is also has that element of simplicity, doesn't it in there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. Right. You know, you know, you got to edit yourself <laughs> and making sure that, you know, the, the precious time that you have to present an idea that you're doing it with that clarity and not trying to throw all the ingredients in to cover every base possible, because there's two things going to happen. One is you're going to confuse them. And secondly, you're going to run out of time and, you know, being shorter, being more clear, And what you want to leave people with, I think, is that they want to go get with you and ask you a ton of questions. And if you get to that point, then you've been successful in pitching your idea or your solution uh, to that audience because you're not going to cover everything in two or three minutes, obviously. But if you get them intrigued enough, interested enough, and they kind of see the vision that you're presenting, then they'll want to talk to you more and go more in depth and, and explore how they could potentially work with you then on bringing that idea to to market or to fruition. You know, and you haven't said the word preparation, I don't believe, but a lot of what you described today in this conversation depends on thought and preparation before you get to pitching your idea, right? Yep. Yep. It goes back to influences pre-work. <laughs> pre-work. Exactly. exactly. Which is preparation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. We know we just have a couple more minutes, but I wanted to ask you if somebody came to you, um, like somebody listening to this is like, gosh, I want to get better at pitching my ideas. What would be two or three things that you would say, 
work on these two or three things if you want to really make progress and build your capability. What comes to mind to you initially just based on your experience? Yeah, good question. I I would start with be a good observer. So kind of attend different events and see how others uh, present their ideas or challenge ideas, whether it's in meetings in, in your company or going to conferences, um, you know, wherever the case may be, or, you know, most cities have uh, 1 million cups, right, where entrepreneurs will come on on a weekly basis and talk about their idea and, and those types of things. So I think being a good observer, you can learn a lot from just how others are doing things. It'll teach you things that, you know, that kind of resonate or that you see that work well and how the audience mm-hmm. responds. But then you mm-hmm. also will see things that don't work well. Right. And so, right. you know, that, you know, not to do those things. And now I think the other, the second uh, advice I would say is just to, well, actually I'll do three. Two is just get out of your comfort zone. So even if you're not, you know, exploring an, an idea or whatever, do something out of the ordinary and that uh, it's not part of your normal routine because uh, that will kind of give you that creative spirit, number one, but it'll get you kind of ready when you do, do need to go talk to somebody that you don't know about an idea and try to get them, you know, get them involved and engaged in it. And then the third thing I think is just really, you know, finding that path to well-being, right? So, you know, if this is a slower time for you, you know, begin to develop those practices now, because when it does get more intense, then how do you keep those practices in place in in the best way that you can? And so by building some of those well-being habits uh, when it's maybe less busy, will hopefully help you keep them when they are, when the times are very busy. Right. And back to your idea, is the idea worth it? There may be some of the ideas that you take on. If it's a new business, it's a new project, it's whatever you're, t- you may test those. And I think what you're, I'm not to put words in your mouth, but I think you're saying like, you've got, you've got to take care of yourself. Self-care has to be something you don't let slip. Is that? Absolutely. Do I have that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's going to um, make a difference in how you lead. It's going to make a difference in your confidence level. And it's going to make a difference in your presence. If you're taking care of yourself, that will definitely show in how you present yourself when you're in front of a larger group presenting an idea or presenting a solution. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, you know, your first one about observing if that's learning. And I think we did a not to always talk about prior podcasts, but it makes me think of it. We uh, had a great one with Andrew Mayfield on the art of noticing. And it was about, you know, how you scan the room and how you you know, pick up signals and cues that help you learn. And I, it, I can't help but think of that when you're talking about this idea of, you know, being that observer, whether it's content you need or it's you want to observe how are other people doing this right? and, and feeling, making a commitment to learning. So this has been so helpful. I really appreciate it, John. And the thing I, I said at the beginning I, that I, I really love about you taking on this topic is given the, the purpose behind that your work that you're doing at Santa Fe Innovates. And it's, you know, I think it's just great that you are helping others build this capability as well as people that would listen to this podcast. So thank you so much for being on and just being part of the conversation on change. Well, I appreciate it, Patty. And, you know, you've definitely set the standard with uh, building new change makers, new wave makers. And uh, we need, you know, we've, I talk in my leadership development class that, you know, change equals uh, leadership and, and, you know, and that is true, right? You, 
if you're a leader, then there's some change that you're driving and um, you got to be able to connect to people and, and make that happen. And you've got to just uh, provide a great foundation for many people to learn from you on how to do that. Thank you so much. And I, and everyone, I hope this helps you learn to pitch your idea. And thanks again, John, for being on. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you all for joining us today for Be A Wavemaker Conversations on Change. I hope you learned something new that you can take back and use. Please subscribe as we'll have more conversations on change coming very soon. Have a great week.